Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. It's so good to be here, Bethel Austin. Wow, you guys are looking good. You guys look great. Tell the person next to you, you're looking good. You know, sometimes you can't tell because you're always with yourself. But, like, don't worry. We'll come back every, you know, every once in a while and let you know how you're looking. But I just want to tell you, you look great. It's so good to be here. Well done. Joaquin, Renee, leadership, well done. This is so exciting. No, really, isn't that the joy of life is being able to do it together? And I come here and you can just feel the life. You can feel the joy and the delight of God on your life. And I just say more, more of that. So good. God is so good. I feel his kindness. I'm like, oh, my heart feels tender because God, you're so loving and you're so kind. And this it looks like that. It's the kindness of God. And I just say that you would experience even more of the kindness of God. You guys are beautiful people. It's so fun to be here. We were here a year ago on the launch weekend, and it is exciting. You guys are a fast-moving people. You are reproducing good. (laughs) Reproducing well. A lot of life. It's good. Thank you, Lord. So, so fun to be here. Um, You know, and things in Reading, update from us. Reading is well, moving fast, the speed of light, and we are just trying to hold on. <laughs> like, Lord, what are you doing next? We have been pastoring Bethel Reading for over eight years now. It has been a, a wild ride. I can tell you that we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot. Ask us even a few years. We'll even tell you even more of what we're learning. But it's been really good. Um, I'm we're always undone by the favor of God and what he's doing in Reading and that we get to be a part of it. And my favorite thing, if you're asking, what is your favorite thing about what you do in Reading and pastoring the church there? It's the people that I get to be around. It is the people. They are just the jewels and the richness of the Lord, the treasures of God. And it's the people that we get to lead with and work with, but it's also the people that we get to do life with and who are stepping up and helping us. And part, We're all partnering and building together in Reading. And um, it is a joy. It's a joy to be around the people of God. And I tell you, that's probably my, why, if you were to ask me why I do what I do, like why would you want to pastor Bethel Reading? tell you, it wasn't in my heart years ago. It was not on my radar. <laughs> like, my dream is to live in Redding, California and Pastor Bethel Church. But God in his goodness and kindness allows me to walk through doors. Yeah. And, it, and it really is his faithfulness. That's the story of my life is God is faithful. But it's the reason I even do it is because I love people. I love seeing people be all who God has created them to be. I love seeing people, and I know that's being connected with the Father, because that's what we're created for. Like that there would be nothing between God and us, that we would take our rightful place and that rightful place that Jesus died for. And so I love helping to lead people into freedom. And so that's one of the things that I love about what I get to do, is be at Bethel, partner with truth, love on people, and um, yeah, be a part of all that God's doing. So it's really fun to be here with you guys. I want to start with one of my favorite scriptures. Oh, actually, before my scriptures, I want to share my beautiful family. This is my um, Eric, myself, Kennedy, and Selah. My, our kids, my, mine, ours, mine, they came out of me. 
We're in a different season because our youngest, Selah, who is standing next to Eric, she graduated from high school this last June, which means that we sent her off to New Zealand. Yes, with the Kiwis. We sent her off to YWAM in July, beginning of July, and it is such, it's amazing what God is doing. We really just feel um, the kindness of God even as we connect with her every week on what God is doing in her, and she called us last week and said, is it okay? I mean, it's, you don't have to say yes, but I just want to call and ask you, I can wait till I get home. I'm like, tattoo? What are we talking about now? <laughs> I can wait till I get home. But I was wondering, do you care? Is it okay if I get rebaptized while I'm here? They're going to have a, a, we're going to go down to the lake, and it's winter time, so they're sacrificed. I'm like, oh, that's good. Get in that water. <laughs> <laughs> She's in Queenstown, so there's snow and all that. And, um, and she said, just what God is doing in my life, and just as I am at this age, I want to rededicate myself here in New Zealand, and I, but I won't do it if you don't want me to. <laughs> I'll wait. I'm like, it's okay. You got this. <laughs> Go enjoy. So it's just really sweet what's going on. So that's our youngest, Selah, and she has put us into a new season. And this new season is we don't really have any kids at our house. We have our beautiful Kennedy who's standing next to me. She is 19. She'll turn 20 in December, and she's in school but staying at home, and it's just a really sweet time, but she's not a kid. And so this is the difference about I'm experiencing having kids and even teenagers. Teenagers, even when they're in our house, Kennedy's on the ends of the teens, but she's very responsible and she's in a different season. When you're teenagers, they're busy all the time. And, um, you know, even though I don't know when I'm going to see them, I always know I have to reserve something and just keep it in my pocket and my time of like, when you get home, they might be there, they might not. But if they're there, you need to reserve some time and energy and emotional space for them. And so you're always, it's always this like little, you know, ticker in my head. Like, I am a parent. That's my best, that's one of my biggest responsibilities and my joys in life. So even if they're busy, I'm still going to reserve time just in case. What if they're available? So it's just, just how it works. <laughs> and so you just are always measuring your time and energy like that. Well, now with Sayla in New Zealand and Kennedy doing school and going about her life, even though she's living at home, I can tell you that when Eric and I hit the weekend, it's like, what are we going to do? What do we want to do? And I feel like it is back to me land. Like, what do I want to do? I don't need to reserve anything. And I can tell you that Eric's spending a lot more time golfing. <laughs> I know, Joaquin and Renee, we were in the green room. You've got life all around you. <laughs> there will be other seasons. So we are enjoying our season. We have loved having our kids with us. And we, we love also stepping into Another, uh, next seasons of life. Because you know that's what life is. Life is always changing. It's just the nature of life. Donald, Donald Millard was with us this last year, and he said a statement that just stuck with me. And he, because at Bethel, things are always growing. And what, when things grow, it requires change. And change isn't always the easiest. You're always like, okay, how do you do this? I need, you know, to be full of hope and courage to walk through continual change. And he said, you know, the thing about life is, um, and change, is the only things that don't change are dead things. Well, that is a true point. <laughs> so that means I'm okay. I, I, I'm going to learn to live with change and just embrace it because that's just part of life. And our change right now is we're stepping into another season. Our kids are off flying, getting into the cold lakes, um, encounters with God. It's, um, it's just a good season, and we're just really thankful.
And we love being with you guys as well. And I just want to tell you, just get ready. What God, we were singing that from glory to glory. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're stepping in, God. We're stepping in tonight. And I'm going to share um, one of my passions with you, probably a lot of my passions um, tonight. But I am going to do it in a very practical way. That's kind of who I am. I just, I love vision, ideas, big truths. And it's like, what does that actually look like to walk in that? And I believe that tonight is going to be a night where we actually step into another level, like a practical level of freedom. Do you guys want to do that? I'm like, yes. And I want to start by sharing one of my favorite verses. This is what just grips me. I'm like, ah, yes, this is why I'm alive. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's what I love in life, to see people walk into wholeness and healing. I love to step in it myself, and I like to take as many people as I can with me. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Can you guys say liberty? Liberty. That is our lot in life. Liberty and the opening of prison doors to those who are bound. What a beautiful scripture, Isaiah 61. I'm like, Lord, if I could give my life to one thing, that is what I'm about. I met Eric when I was in college. We were in Santa Cruz, and um, it, Santa Cruz is just the glory of God. It's like redwoods that come down to the ocean. It's beautiful. So the Lord let me live there for a few years. And when I went to school... You know, going to a new place, it's such an adventure. And I remember going to school and being there, you know, one day, two days. We had new student orientation. And my best friends that I had there were like one day old. And then they were two day old. And you're just like, okay, it's just part of the, how do you start things except for to take a step. And um, I think it was around like the third day, um, um, one of the guys there that I had become a friend of three days, said, I'm gathering a group, and we're going to go splunking. Do you want to come? And I'm like, splunking, what's that? You know, caving. We're going to go into caves and stuff. I'm like, around here? He's like, yeah, up by UC Santa Cruz. You going to come? I'm like, that sounds like fun. I love, I love having fun. And, um, and you seem like a nice person, you know. I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> seem, seem, you know, like, I don't know. Three days old, no. And so a group of us and my newest friends got in a car, and we put flashlights on our head and glow-in-the-dark stars on our head. I'm like, anything that could bring us more light while we're in the caves. And I'm like, you've done this before. Oh, yeah, this is so fun. Great. So we go up to uh, UC Santa Cruz, and it's nighttime. And, you know, it's just adventure. I am, well, how old am I? I'm 19 years old at this time. And we um, get out of the car, and he goes, okay, we're going to go into this cave. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. Like, there's a cave little bit of mountain open up. We just kind of walk around inside. I don't, I'm not really sure if I've ever, I don't, I'm just thinking it's a little hole, you know? And so we go there and there's this opening and he goes, yeah, we're going to go inside here. So we go inside and there's a larger cavern and this whole kind of cave way that goes, and he's like, yeah, we're going to walk down in here. So we get going and there's spaces that open up. There's spaces that get smaller. And I'm like, how long does this go? He goes, I think it goes all the way down to the ocean. It's miles and miles long. Like, that's crazy. And then we'd go through spaces where it um, kind of forks and he goes this way and then it forks again. Then we start climbing down and we're going. I mean, it's like minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. And I'm like, do you know your way out? I'm like, how? I mean, this is my friend of three days. 
I'm like, I should, did not bring a rope or breadcrumbs. Um, I am putting a lot of trust in you. And um, so and I'm having a good time, but I'm starting to go, man, it's been a long time we've been walking. And we um, continue to walk. And he says, okay, and up ahead, we're going to go through the corkscrew. And I'm like, really, what's the corkscrew? He goes, oh, well, it's the spot where the caves go down up to a smaller hole. And it gets so small and tight that um, to go through it, you actually have to twist your body because um, it's tighter. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not a problem for me. I'm not claustrophobic. I can get in small spaces. And um, I really wasn't concerned at this time. And he was a skinny guy, but he was taller than me. I'm like, your shoulders have to be a little wider than me. I won't get stuck, right? And um, so he's like, okay, here it is. And we go down, and it's a hole. You know, we're all standing there. Maybe there's like seven of us. And um, so he's like, okay, you'll go first. So you get, not me, it's somebody else. They go first and, you know, put your hands up above your head because you need the whole wiggle room to try to get through. And um, I'm standing, and I see him go through, like, you know, just, and their little legs are squirming through. And they go through. I'm like, oh, they made it. Great. Okay, you're next. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm game. Put your hands above your head. Okay. And I get in there, and I'm kind of inching. You need your arms and your little um, shoulder elbows just kind of move along. And I'm going. I'm inching, inching. And then, yep, I'm stuck. Yeah, that's when you need to turn. You need to twist. I'm like, oh, yeah, shoulder. And then at this point, my whole body's in the the corkscrew because it's a long corkscrew and I don't I'm like I'm fine I am I'm good at this and all of a sudden I'm like I don't want to be in here anymore I just can't what are my options I need to get out of here right now he's like just keep coming keep coming okay okay take a deep breath and I'm in the middle of the corkscrew and I don't want to be in the middle of the corkscrew anymore and I'm like oh, I didn't know I was claustrophobic and I'm like okay but I'm good at this I am very, very perseverant, and I, am, I have a really strong will. You will calm down, Candace. You will take a deep breath, and you just keep inching along, and you're going to make it. I made it through the corkscrew. I was so thankful. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had a little claustrophobicness inside of me. And then we, you know, we're going, and I'm like, how are we getting out of here? Oh, we're going to go back through the corkscrew. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the corkscrew. I made it through. I know I can make it through again. In that moment, that's when I realized, you know, I've never been in prison. <laughs> I've never been in prison. Actually, you know, that's one of my favorite things to ask people, like if you want to get to know you. Have you ever been in prison? Okay, okay, no. Have you ever been arrested? Like if you just want to get to know people, I love the stories that I've learned about people in asking that simple question. So if you're ever just needing to kill some time or you're like, hey, maybe I should get to know you a little more. Have you ever been arrested? So I've never been arrested. I've been pulled over, but I've never been arrested. So I can't tell you I've been in prison. So when I'm reading the scripture and it says, and opening the prison uh, to those who are bound, I haven't been in prison, but I've been in a corkscrew. And I can tell you this. It is not God's will for us to live in a corkscrew. There was nothing about that space that was like, you should stay here, Candace. This is a good spot for you to live. So when I read this, I'm like, yes, I am into liberty. Yes, I am into freedom. We are meant to live there. I know God's will for your life. And it is not to live in a prison. There is nothing about Jesus' life that he gave that you are supposed to stay living trapped. And I just want to say tonight, we are going to step into a new level of freedom. 
You guys want to come with me? Jesus gave his life so that we would be free. It was for freedom that he gave his life. And my desire is that Jesus would get his full reward with my life and for every life that I touch. Amen? So just take a deep breath. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to what you have for us. We love you. We trust you. And we say yes to freedom. Yeah, and I invite your love right now because I know what your love does. Your love frees us. Your love heals us. Your love allows us to step into all that you've called us to be. So I invite a new measure of your love tonight. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. And I pray that even as I'm speaking, even as we're going through these slides, that Holy Spirit, you would come and just saturate us. And Lord, that you would love on us like we've never been loved on before. Because that's what your love is. It's wide. It's deep. It's high. And Lord, there's more. So I say yes to the more. And we lean in. Enlarge our capacity to receive your love tonight. Yeah, enlarge us tonight. I thank you that tonight is a night of transformation. Tonight is a night that we will not be okay to stay where we're at. But we lean in. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So I was at a doctor's office, and um, you know how they have all the magazines. I think it was like Woman's Day or Good Housekeeping. And I'm going through the pictures and the um, pages, and I come across this picture. And I was like, oh, that's such a fun picture. And it says, remember her? She is still there inside of you waiting. Let's go and get her. I'm like, ooh, I like that. Oh, what do I like about this? And and I'm like, oh, I like her body posture. Every part of her is involved in this. Like there is nothing holding back inside of her. I'm like, I like that person. Oh, I remember when I was like that. We know there's like a purity of like whatever's going on in here, it's just what you do because you're living out of that place of wholeness. I'm like, oh, I'm inspired by that. I'm actually challenged by that. And I don't, I love the little chipmunk teeth. My favorite thing with the little kids is those little teeth. I know your son just lost his tooth. I'm like, oh, I love the purity of the chipmunk teeth stages. But I also love the freedom that kids have. You know the freedom that like it's before your kids go to kindergarten. My daughter's. So we have the two, two girls, and when they were younger, I would love to put on music at home, sometimes worship music, sometimes not. And I would be like, what does this make your body want to do? You know, and I'd just they'd dance around the house, and we would sing and laugh, and we would play together, we would worship. And it was just so fun how free they were. They weren't thinking anything else except for, yeah, mom, look at me groove. You know, it was just so fun. And just the things that they would say, very unedited. They didn't have a lot of filters on their life yet. Sometimes that's a blessing, sometimes it's not. (laughs) But there's a beauty in it. There's a beauty. And in this, I can see someone that is living and not just, um, they're not editing themselves before they live. And that's just something I think that in life, life we're just continuing to grow and to change. But sometimes we go through experiences that stunt our growth or that trap us. Or that causes us to reject the own grace that's on our life. Our very own grace. And tonight I want to talk, I actually want to invite you in to actually lay down accusation and judgment that we have against ourselves. 
That's what we're doing tonight. We're going to step into freedom, and we're going to lay down accusation and judgments that we have against ourselves. You know how that stuff shows up. It's in self-talk. You know, the things that we say to ourselves. Oh, I can't do this. You know the thoughts. I can't stand looking at myself. I am so dumb. I am beyond repair. I always mess things up. How come I am not like that? I am so fat. There is no hope. I can't get anything right. I am in a spot. How many people love the Lord? Yep, we are in good company. But how many people have these kind of talk, uh, thoughts and words going through your head? Don't raise your hand. You know, like the, the, the acceptable sins? Like, I love the Lord, but this is how I talk and treat myself. Like, when, in what planet is that okay? Even though you, no one else can see it, no one else knows, but I've become okay loving God and treating myself this way. Talk about things that separate us from God. Talk about things that trap us, that actually stop us from living in the fullness of who God has created us to be. How we talk to ourselves. And here's a crazy thing. I, um, I was doing some research on this because um, I actually, I was like, Lord, I want to talk about being kind and compassionate to ourselves. That is on my heart for the body of Christ. That it's not something that we would just treat each other, but we would actually aim that towards ourselves. And so I was doing some research about self-kindness and compassion, and you know what I found? If you Google it, almost every single article and reference that comes up was originated by Buddha and some Buddhist concept. I'm like, are you serious? No way. This did not begin with Buddha. I just want to tell you that. That concept is um, actually the kingdom. Self-compassion and self-kindness, you're going to find it even when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? We're talking way back before Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> way back. And I just say this because sometimes we, um, there are things that are established in culture that are good but are taken um, by some, some other religion or taken by something else. And you're like, oh, well, that's not kingdom. I just want to tell you that being kind to yourself is kingdom. Being kind to yourself is what we're called to be and to live. And that is not, it's actually not okay. And that's what we need to, tonight, I just want to say we need to stop. Like, and when we catch ourselves, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm putting these statements out there because I want us to go, wait, that's not okay. No, it's not. Not one bit. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Um, his answer is in Mark 12, 30. And um, he says, or the most important. What's the most important commandment? The most important one Jesus answered is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. It's not a Buddhist-originated concept. There is no commandment greater than this. God's love. Isn't his love so good? Let's just take a moment and swim in his love. Let's just take a moment. I just want to share my first experience with God's love. Backstory, my parents are divorced when I'm in kindergarten. I know brokenness like nobody's business. I know dysfunction. I know dysfunction in your home. It's not a fun thing. And um, I, my dad gets remarried when I am in 
second, third grade, I have a stepmom who is so hurting that she just aims all her stuff at us, my sister and I. And um, from dirty looks to cussing at us, something that I was doing was always wrong. And um, I just learned how to um, basically just aim it right back at her. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell I'm a little feisty. <laughs> My sister took it all in and internalized it and kind of shut down. And I just got kind of um, spunky and feisty, and I just did it right back to her. And, um, and, and I can tell you that I was the, I've always loved people. Uh, my nickname was Giggles growing up. That was my nickname growing up was Giggs, Giggles, because I just laugh. I, and I love, like, looking at people makes me smile. I am generally pretty happy. So at school, I um, definitely loved kids, uh, was I kind, friendly, but I was the kind of person that you didn't want mad at you. You know that, girl? Because I knew how to be really mean. I knew how to give the meanest looks. I knew the dirtiest things to say because that's how I was treated at home. And um, my mom moved back to the city that we lived in. I was primarily raised by my father, and my mom moved back to the city that I lived in, and when she was there, we spent half 50-50 at each house, and when she ended up getting saved in a church, and I just remember not having any concept of church and getting saved. I remember I just, I think my sister and I were talking, we're like, so mom's like a holy roller. That was what we were saying. She's a holy roller, and um, and then I, in my at my age, I just thought, she just, they just roll down the aisles of the church? I mean, what does that actually mean? So my mom said, when you're with us, when you're at my house and I'm at church, you're going to come to church with me. I'm like, great, you just do whatever she says. I didn't have a lot of thoughts besides, are we going to roll down the aisles? I don't, I don't know why. That's just what my image was. And um, I ended up going to an Assemblies God church called Bethel Church in Eureka, California, because that's where we were living. And uh, there's a missionettes group for, I was in sixth grade, and that's what you do. You go to missionettes, and it's like Girl Scouts for, um, in a church and blue sashes, and lot, everyone's wearing badges. And um, I go to this room, and I just love to paint the context because, God is so attractive. <laughs> I go into this room, and there's a bunch of little girls. And mind you, I'm primarily raised by my father, so I'm not very girly naturally, and neither is my father. <laughs> so I didn't have purses, and I didn't have dresses, and I didn't really want them, and no one else is encouraging me to wear them either. Um, so I go to this church group with all these girls that knew each other, and they had purses, and they all would talk to each other, and they definitely did not think I was cool, um, and so I just sat there, and there's one other girl who was an outcast, and so we got to know each other, and so that's my experience. I go to missionettes and a bunch of girls who go to church together, and they like each other, and they don't like people who don't have purses, and I didn't have one, and, um, and so we sit, and I meet. I'm with the other outcast, and I'm like, this is good. I just have someone to talk to, and the teachers have like the long hair and the long skirts. And they were very nice and kind. And at the end of the meeting, so the meeting, not attractive. It was just like, oh, cool, you know, this is what you do at church. And um, at the end of the meeting, they do the pledge to the Christian flag, pledge to the American flag. I mean, all, I'm just like, this is incredible. I don't know these words. Um, <laughs> and at the end, they said, okay, now you can close your eyes, bow your head. And we just want to ask, does anybody here want to accept Jesus in their heart? So I raised my hand. And um, my thought was, of course I love Jesus. I've, I don't have anything against him. No one ever asked me if I wanted him in my heart. 
And so I accepted him in my heart. And they said, well, now um, come outside with us. We have something we want to give you. So we go out in the hallway, and they gave me this little blue Bible. And it was uh, just the Gospels. And they explained, these are the Gospels. It's not the whole Bible, but this is where you can learn about Jesus. And you're just beginning a relationship with Jesus. And I tell you that this was not an emotional moment. Like all the things that I painted were true. And I can tell you, my life was forever changed that moment. I was never the same. And I, could, I went back to school. And that whole desire to want to hurt or to be cruel, I had no desire anymore. And any people treated me that way, it didn't matter. Because God's love, what it did is I was so hurting because of how I was treated and things that had happened. And I, was, I knew that I needed God. And his love came and covered every part of my heart. There were cracks. There were holes. There were things that were bent inside of me just because of how I'd been treated. And I didn't know. And God's love just loved on every part and it tenderized places. Wow. I went on a missions trip in seventh grade. And they were like, okay, you need to guys write your testimonies out. That's just how you know God and what he's done in your life. And they're like, I want you to have like a, a what's your life verse? So I'm like a year old in the Lord. And, but remember, everything completely changed my home life was still the same, but it wasn't, it, I was so different, and God's love had changed everything inside of me. And so I remember when I was writing my testimony, the scripture that I wanted to make sure and share that this was my life verse is God took their heart of stone and gave them a heart of flesh. Because I'm like, that's what happened to me in the last year, because that's what God's love does. And so I just want to swim in his love as we read this scripture, because he's so good. And I'm all about freedom. That's where we're going. And I know what freedom is. It's actually experiencing his love. It's, it's having a love exchange with the Lord. And I just pray tonight that he would free us so much that we'd be free to be loved. And that we would be free to love. In my heart, I think that freedom is having a free flow from heaven through us. And this scripture right here tells me what that looks like. It's being able to love the Lord, receive his love but also love others as I love myself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I love people so much. I, like, you cannot be around me, and I can, if you're around me, I cannot not encourage you. Like, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, you look so cool. Like, oh, I love this about you. I can't help it. Like, I just love to bring strength and add strength to people. That's just how God made me. And so I naturally just love people. I'm pretty positive. If you see me negative, like something bad has happened inside of there. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Ask my husband. But my natural, that giggles thing, that's just how God naturally made me. So I love people. I, it's hard for me not to believe in you. And so I naturally give that away. And, um, but this convicts me when it's like, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's those thoughts, those, those things like, oh, you're so dumb. I would never tell someone that they are dumb. You can't get this right. You're never going to be anybody. I'm like, but I can tell you, as Pastor Christian Candace, those are some thoughts I've allowed myself to think. And I call it normal. I'm like, there is nothing normal about that. In the kingdom, in God's love, there is nothing normal about receiving his love and not actually aiming it towards ourselves. And I'm not talking us that we're God and that we are the center of the universe intention. But his love, it was about us. And I believe you talk about sustainable revival. I think that this scripture is how we sustain revival. 
that we come and experience his love and we aim it right back at him and we experience it ourselves and we love on ourselves. And I believe that self-kindness and self-compassion is one way that we do that. And then we actually aim that towards the people around us. But I believe that we will hit, um, we will hit bumps, that we will hit uh, limits and ceilings when we don't treat ourselves that way, because eventually that crookedness will start being aimed at the people around us because we've allowed it to treat ourselves that way. So I believe it's very important how we treat ourselves. It's not what you say to everyone else that determines your life. It's what you whisper to yourself that has the greatest power. I found this um, quote. I'm like, oh, how true is that? The power of our words. We know that words are powerful. We know that words have the power of life and death and what we say to other people. But what we, oh, not that one. Um, we, what we say to ourselves we know is really important as well. Because we are either creating life in here or we are leading ourselves down to death, into entrapment, into um, the opposite of what Jesus gave his life for. And in the church, I just want to, I want to expose that. And I believe that in the way we do that is self-accusation and self-judgment. We wouldn't do it to other people, but we would do it to ourselves. According to the National Science Foundation, an average person has 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those 80,000, oh no, 80,000, of those, 80% are negative and 95% are exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. This is us. This tells me that we have a propensity to be negative. This tells me that whatever we get stuck on and bent on, we just repeat it day after day and we create pathways in our thoughts. So we have to be aware of them to change them. I believe it's super important that we're aware of our thoughts because we know that our thoughts, when we partner with them, then we actually confess them and we say them to ourselves. Super important and we know how powerful those are. There was a Weight Watchers survey in 2016 of 2,000 women in the UK and it says that the average woman criticizes herself at least eight times a day. Some of you probably say, I do that by nine o'clock in the morning. As a Christian, as someone who loves the Lord and receives God's love, this is not okay. Women begin berating themselves in the early day. Over almost half of them, 46%, admitting to criticizing themselves at least once before 9.30 a.m. because we have to look in the mirror. 42% of women admitted to never complimenting themselves. This is statistics. This is if I were to pull everybody in this room and we were to be honest, I don't know how different we would be. But I know that we can't stay there. I know that if we're not going to live trapped lives, if we're not going to live in corkscrews, we actually have to stop this. We have to go, actually, this isn't okay. How we treat ourselves, God actually cares about this. Super practical, but I think it's actually critical for where God wants to take us. For what he's doing inside of us, for us to be um, love on the planet, for us to be um, an expression of the kingdom, for us to be carriers of his presence. There's a new standard, and we can't, we can't stay there any longer. 
89% gave compliments to other women that they wouldn't believe about themselves. This was the one that kind of put the knife in my heart. Because I'm the best at believing other people, believing for them. And then if I stop and become conscientious, what are you telling yourself? I'm like, you would never say that ever to another person. But yet you, you are okay having a double standard. And I just want to say tonight, I want to expose the double standard in our lives. Holy Spirit, that you would even quicken us and that you'd show us in ways that we think that don't bring you honor that actually don't, aren't a reflection of your love, that we couldn't have a doubleness inside of us. Because we know that love is patient. How patient are we with ourselves? I mean, this is the really practical stuff. We love the Lord and we worship and dance in here, and it's good. How much inside of us are we a sweet fragrance to the Lord? If we were actually to write down what we say, or if we were to tell what we say to ourselves, and what if we talk to our children that way? What would they look like in five years? My thought is that people who are around me should look more beautiful in the next year, in the next two years, because I'm that good at loving at people, because I know what love does. It actually makes us beautiful. I, you know you, you meet people and they get married, and they're really beautiful by themselves, but then they get married, and it's just like such a good match that you can just see that they bring beauty to each other, and they are so loved on that it even loves off some of the, ang some of the um, angles and the pokies that they might have had. And I'm like, oh, I, I pray that's how it is when you're around me. That after being like Bethel Austin, when I come here each year, you should be looking more beautiful and more beautiful because you are lovers of God. You are lovers of yourself and you're lovers of other people. It just gets more beautiful every year. The double standard. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is my other part, my favorite part of that. Hopes all things, believes all things. That's probably one of the most powerful things in my journey as a woman, as a leader, is people around me who believe in me. Have you ever had someone who just like, you've got this. Like they, you know that they're so for you that you can just ride on their belief. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, but if you think I can, I got this. That's been my journey at Bethel, stepping on our stage and speaking at Bethel. I mean, it's a, it's a platform that um, goes out to a lot of uh, places. And I, you know, and I'm a pretty confident person. I don't, I, I like sharing. I like talking to people. I like giving. So that's not the problem. But I remember hitting my own wall when it was like, Candace, now you, we want you to share on a Sunday morning where it's streamed out to a lot of people and, um, and just have fun. We want you to be yourself. Like, yeah, I believe in all of that stuff. Man, I just don't feel like there's anything I have to give that Bill or Chris couldn't have already given or Eric. What am I doing? Like, and inside, I just hit my own walls of belief in myself. I'm like, oh, okay, let me just lean into a little bit more of your love. But I remember I, I hit that spot, and you know what pushed me through? It was some of the people around me. Some of the people uh, just sat me down and said, Candace, you were born for this. We need what you have. I so believe in you. I will do anything that makes this possible for you. I'll watch your kids if you need time to prepare. You have to say yes. I'm like, I do? Yes, you have to say yes. Okay, I will do it because you say yes. Sometimes we need to lend each other our beliefs. 
and our courage. But it is stuff that we should be cultivating in ourselves. I'm like, okay, I didn't, I wasn't able to believe in myself to that level, but I'm going to. I am working on it, Lord, and I want to know what your love looks like inside of me. I want to know how to treat myself with love and compassion and belief and hope. And this is when it, this is when it gets really real, when I do something wrong. Like, how much love can I have for myself when I actually know I make a mistake? Come on, and we fail, because I have not met a human who hasn't failed yet. Yeah. And I'm around some pretty amazing, anointed, spiritual humans. And they make mistakes, too. I'm around some of the best. And we're, I haven't met a perfect person. So I'm like, can we have compassion and kindness on ourselves even when we make mistakes? I'm like, how are we going to get through this if we're going to keep nailing ourselves, accusation, judgment? I'm like, I think someone did that, did that for us. Let's lay it down. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, 27, this one. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. When we, we have thoughts, things are going to come. We walk in environments. There's so much stuff going on. Where did the thought come from? Is this you, God? Is this me? Is this the devil? Is this the person next to me? I mean, there are just things going on in my head all the time. Thank the Lord I don't say them all. And I don't partner with them. They're in there, and then I'm like, yeah, that's not true. I'm going to go over here. And I get the, you can't do this. And I'm like, oh, watch me. Nothing is impossible for God. He could use even me if I'm just willing to say yes, if I'm just willing to partner with him. Do not give the devil a foothold. It's one thing to think it, but I believe it's really, we need to be so careful about what we choose to confess. What we, because that's a, that's a different level of partnership. You talk about giving the devil a foothold. I'm like, we do not need to give him any space and any form of authority in our life. And I believe it's in this internal space, not just what, what we think, but what do we say to ourselves? How do we treat ourselves? It is time to shut that door completely. I don't know if you're, when I was younger, remember I told you I was really feisty? So I would do something probably not nice to a sibling, to um, a cousin, and then you just run as fast as you can so they don't get you back. And you're like, run, 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 and the door's open. And you go in and you shut the door. And as long as you can get the door shut, like, you are pretty, like, I'm going to be fine. But if they get their foot in the door before you shut it, you're like, oh, no. Because I was the youngest, too. So, like, I wasn't that strong in comparison. So then it's like, you're a goner. Whatever they want to do to you. <laughs> and generally, I deserved it. But that foothold, you have to be careful. I'm like, we cannot give the devil any access. We need to shut that door completely. And the only way I know to do that is just to expose this stuff. Be like, come on, guys, let's not do this anymore. We need to stop. This is not our lot in life. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as 
Christ God forgave you. Okay, that's how we're supposed to treat each other. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Couldn't we just put in, this is how we're supposed to treat ourselves? Like this is what love looks like. And if we're going to partner with thoughts that we know are not godly, that we know do not build us up, that we know are not wholesome, what is the opposite of that? And I believe it is leaning into God's love first. And it is taking, Lord, what do you say about me? So even tonight, this is real. This is the practical. If we're going to live up like, oh, I want you to be inspired. I want you to be challenged. But I want you to ask God right now, Lord, what do you love about me? Just ask God right now, Lord, what do you love about me? Want to know my funny answer? But it's real. I think that God loves my evil laugh. <laughs> I have an evil laugh. And I think that he loves it. And it's not always like real evil. It's just like when something's just like, oh, it happened. I, don't, just, I have an evil laugh. And I think the Lord loves it. It, it is real. And, and he made me feisty. He made me feisty. And you know what my feistiness does? It says, Lord, I will follow you, and it doesn't matter what happens. I am feisty, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because I will hold on, and it doesn't even matter if they don't believe in me. I will hold on to you because I'm feisty. And I think God loves me that way. And I want to be kind and loving, but I'm feisty. What is one thing that I love about myself? I want you to think about that. What's one thing? Because this is like practicing love here. It's like, Lord, what do you say is true about me? What do you love about me? Can you receive that? Because he adores you. He adores you. He is so delighted in you. You need to know that. And you need to ask him. Barry and Lori Burns, they do. They have nothing hidden ministries at our church. They lead a love after marriage a ministry that's so gorgeous. And um, they were leading a devotion in our staff. And they, um, and they said, what we want to do is we just want to um, give you out papers. And on the paper it said, a letter from God to me. And they said, we just want you to spend time with God and for you to write a letter from God to you. And I'm like, okay, like just so you directly hear from the Lord. And it was so powerful. Because we can talk, talk truth, scripture, for God so loved the, the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like, oh, you do love us. It was for love. But let's even make it more personal. Lord, what do you have to say to me right now? Like, what do you love about me right now? And then you partner with it. And it's like instead of confessing some of those negative thoughts that we have, because remember those, it's those patterns that get created in our life. And we think they're normal because it happens every day. We create new ones. And we're asking God what he loves about us. And then we take it and we go, what do I actually love about myself? Raise your hand if you know what you love about yourself. I mean, you got to pick one thing. One thing. Just one thing. Think, I mean, something. Is it your hair? Smile. The way you serve people. What, pick one. I want you to, what do you love about yourself? You have to find one thing. Because now I want you to tell someone around you, you have to tell them what you love about yourself. Oh, Tell the person next, you got to tell one person, you got to tell them one thing, make it up. You have to love something. It doesn't need to be a long story, it could be, thank you. 
You got to love something because we are practicing love right now. Okay. You courageous people, you. And to love yourself. Remember the freedom from heaven, the free flow from heaven. We know it doesn't stop right here. Egocentric people stop right here. I just love myself and I love myself more than anybody else. I'm like, oh no, that's not, I'm not, I'm not promoting that. I'm not promoting that. Being around selfish, self-centered people is the most horrid thing in the world. It is exhausting. It's painful. It is not who I would choose to live with. We do not stop here, so please don't, if, you, if you're thinking that, no, no, let's keep going. But that is an important part of that free flow from heaven. We cannot pass go until we do this. We take that love. We love ourselves. We're not just okay with who we are, but we love who we are. I believe that's part of worship to the king. If God made us and he made us in his image and he adores us, why can't we not enjoy and love ourselves? And we don't stop right there because... The kingdom is not a cesspool that stops things. Whatever God does in our life, we know that it's meant to give it away. We take all the freedom that um, he's given us and we aim it at those around us. So when we get good at doing this, then we get really good at loving the people around us. We get really good at being patient with them, at being kind, because we know how it feels. What we love about ourselves. It's good. It's good. Compassion is the ability to show love, empathy, and care to people who are in difficulty. Remember I said that it's really, where it gets challenging is when we actually, we've done something wrong or something's really challenging. Because that's when what's really inside of you, the culture that's inside of you, that's when you really know what's going on. Like when you've done something wrong, wrong, wrong. How do you feel about yourself? Horrible. I don't know why I'm alive. Oh, no. We are going to get really good at that love. Like, actually, you're going to be okay. It's not over. With God, nothing is impossible. You are his delight. I sure don't feel like it. I know. But it's going to be okay. Self-compassion is simply the ability to direct these same emotions at ourselves and accepting ourselves particularly particularly in the face of failure. That's what we want to get good at, is self-kindness, self-compassion. How powerful our accusations are. We're talking about judgment accusations tonight, and I just want to expose them a little bit more. A month ago, when Selah was still at the house, I was in the shower, and... The girls just love to use our shower. We have two showers, but for whatever reason, they never graduated outside of using our bathroom. So they, they use all of our stuff. We just share it together. And, um, and the thing about our daughters, of course, we don't, we don't have sons. We have daughters, and they happen to wear the same shoe size as me. We wear very similar sizes, and um, they like all to use all of my stuff, even though I buy all of them their stuff. And um, I'm really good at putting my stuff back. I'm pretty, um, I'm, or, I'm somewhat organized. I don't want to 
make myself seem better than I am. Um, I'm pretty organized. I put things, I usually know where my keys are. I don't lose things. And over the years, specifically the last few years, through teenage years, I will go to use my fingernail clippers. And you're like, wow, they're not in the pocket that I always put them in. And I'm thinking, what did I do? Did I forget something? Did I put them somewhere? Oh, I don't, you know, and I start to feel a little crazy because I mean, like, I, I always do this, but maybe I'm forgetting things now. I don't, you know, and I'm just taking it on myself. And, um, and then there'll be weeks will pass, and I'm like, gosh, I, I just need to buy new fingernail clippers, so I'll go buy new ones. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. So weird. It's like the socks in the dryer. Like, I don't know what happened. There were two, and now there's one. I put two in. And um, so I'll go buy a new one, and then it'll be like a weeks later, and I'll be in the girls' room. I'll be like, huh, you have fingernail clippers? Where'd you get those? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I meant to put them back. I'm like, oh, oh, there's my fingernail clippers. I thought I was going crazy. You know, like, you just get used to those things that happen. And so I would go, like, you know, girls, I really need you to put things back. You know, and, I, and I'll buy you all your own things, but if you want to use mine for some reason, if you can't find it, just please put it back. I don't mind. I'm kind. I will share with you. But please put it back because you're making me feel crazy, and I don't have Alzheimer's, and I start to feel like maybe I do. And that makes me nervous. And... Um, and so I was in the shower after all of these lovely conversations and experience of years, and, um, and I had already bought them their own razors, too, multiple times, because I just want mine to stay in my shower. And um, so I'm in the shower, get all soaked down, and Redding is really hot, so you want to wear shorts. And to wear shorts, it looks better if you shave your legs. So I'm like, I need to shave. And I'm all ready, but I go to reach for my razor, and it's not there. I'm like, oh, maybe so. it's not there. Are you serious? Where's my razor? And no one's home, obviously. So I'm like, ah, oh, well, what, I don't uh. So I don't shave. I just, okay, that's annoying. It's not fun. And then I, and I'm just going, I cannot believe them. Are they ever going to learn? Are, I can't believe that they took my razor and they need to grow up. It is time for them to move out so they can learn about life. And I feel bad whoever's going to live for, with them. Poor people. Like, going to steal their razors. And, and I just had, like, this whole, like, oh, rage um, inside of me. So I get done, and I'm looking around the house. Did they, were they in the bathtub and using it? Where they, I couldn't find it anywhere. So, of course, I go to them very mellow on the outside, but no, all the accusation in the inside. And I'm like, hey, just wondering, have you seen my razor? No, last time I, I saw it was in the shower. I'm like, okay. So I go to the other one. Have you seen my razor? Did you actually just maybe use it, you know, took it out for a moment, forgot to put it back? No, I didn't, Mom. You sure? I mean, could you have, are you sure? No, no. I'm like, hmm, hmm. Did your friends come and use the razor? <laughs> like, did they, could they have taken it? I don't think so, but I, I don't know. I'm like, huh, because I cannot find my razor. Are you sure? And like, luckily I'm mature enough not to let all this out because it was like, yeah, right. You need to grow up, put your stuff back, I mean, all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, okay, well, if you see it, I am looking for it. And, man, this really makes me feel confused. So I'm, I kind of wrote them off. You know, my accusation was strong. It was like, oh, I already knew what kind of kids. I'm like, man, we failed. <laughs> we failed. And I thought I did a good job. I mean, but, like, 17 and 19, you can't even put a razor back and take ownership if you, when you took it. I'm like, man, in truth, I'm like, we're not even honest. But I don't tell them all that because I'm like, I mean, maybe something else happened. Maybe it vaporized. I don't know. So 
so uh, weeks later, I finally was like, I got to just probably go buy my own, but I hadn't bought one yet. And um, it's shampoos and stuff are down in the corner of our shower. And I go to move one, and I was like, oh, is that the razor? It had fallen down because it was on the suction cup thing. It fell down off the wall and came down. And I was like, oh, the girls didn't steal my razor. They were being honest. But I had built the power of accusation is because I knew that they were wrong. Once I knew it, I built up a whole story and narrative about who my kids were. But how many times do we accuse ourselves of things and we build up a narrative that isn't even true about ourselves? And what we do is we confine ourselves to live in this space and we say, oh, we're going to love the Lord. We're going to be free and we're going to move from glory to glory. But yet we are okay to live confined by the things of how we treat ourselves and how, what we accuse ourselves of. So tonight I just want to say no more. It's time to lay down our self-accusations, our self-judgments because the Lord has more for us. The Lord really has a spot of freedom and wholeness that we are supposed to inhabit and take as many people as we can with us in that place. Do not give the devil a foothold. We started doing Sozo years ago, being saved, healed, and delivered. That Sozo ministry is, the, is so beautiful. 20-something uh, years ago, we got trained at Bethel, and then we just began to practice, meeting with people who were feeling stuck and they couldn't get past something. Um, and then they would meet with us, and we would just um, begin to ask them questions, begin to invite Holy Spirit in, and just ask, like, when did this begin? And it was crazy, the things in people's lives that were um, holding them back, the things in their lives that were stunting them, that they were not able to push through. And when more than not, this was like probably, felt like 90% of the time, we would be praying and asking, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say? When did this start? And almost... I would say 90 plus percent of the time, they would say it would be something that where they didn't forgive somebody else or they had unforgiveness against themselves. You talk about freedom and what actually stops us from being free and holds us back. It's when we actually can't treat ourselves with the same love and forgiveness and freedom that Jesus gave us. We don't treat ourselves and we don't give it away. And tonight, we are stepping into a new place of freedom. Mark 11, 25 through 26, and I'm going to be wrapping up here. And whenever you stand praying, we know that prayer is important. We know that talking with God and listening to him is extremely important. And the word says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your, heaven, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. We know that we need forgiveness. We, are, um, we, have, we have done wrong. We need a Savior. We need forgiveness. We do not live in freedom without forgiveness. We live trapped. We live separated from the Lord. So we know that we need to release forgiveness if anyone, including yourself, that we would not hold, that we have anything against anyone. So tonight I want to ask you, if we just, I just want to take some time and just pray for a moment. I want to invite truth. And I want to talk to anyone who feels trapped, anyone who feels stunted or imprisoned in any way as I'm talking if that is you and you're just feeling like, actually, I feel the Lord highlighting something in my life, and I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay trapped anymore. I actually want to move from glory to glory. I want to invite you in. I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to ask the Lord 
what that is in our life. So right now, Lord, I, we come to you. I invite your truth in this room. I thank you for the most beautiful people in this room. I thank you for your love for every person. And I thank you for, Jesus, what you gave your life for, for our freedom. Yeah, we just say yes to your love. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us if there's any area in our lives where we've given the devil a foothold. If there's any areas, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come and expose anything right now. If there's any areas, if there's any areas that we have a double standard. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I just, if there is anything right now, we're just going to bring it to the Lord. I'm not going to make you do anything. It's just between you and God. But we're going to confess anything tonight and ask for forgiveness. Yeah, if there's anything that we've held against ourselves, any accusations or judgments, if there's anything that, um, that comes up, I just want us to give it to God right now. So Lord, we ask forgiveness. Lord, forgive me for, and I want you just to, just to say to God, forgive me for if there's anything. Because the Lord does not want us to stay where we're at. It is a new season, and it is a, he has a new territory for us to walk in. So Lord, forgive us for, and if there's anything, it's simple as just bringing it before him. Or if as I'm talking, you have anything against anyone else. Lord, forgive them for if there's anything, and I believe that confession and actually putting it on our lips is how we partner with truth, and it takes it from being a good idea and truth in the word to being truth inside of us in our life, and the more specific, the better. Freedom is being able to give and receive in the area of forgiveness. So, Lord, I ask for your forgiveness tonight, that we would be a people that receive your forgiveness and that freely give it away. And I pray that for every single person here who um, has anything that they need to give you, Lord, I pray that you would meet them right where you're at. And I thank you for the power of your forgiveness. The power of your forgiveness sets us free. Yeah, we don't want to live in any other space. So I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for your truth. Yeah, and I just encourage you as well that throughout the night, even as you're thinking about what we're talking about, that if something does come up that you remember or that you're like, ah, I'm, I'm really harsh on myself in this area or I have judged myself here or because of experiences and things, whatever caused it, but that you're holding something else against yourself, at any time you just go directly to God. He loves direct. And you know what he told me years ago is, I'm not afraid of you, Candace. Because in my, like, desire to please him and to do good, I get afraid of myself. Like, did I really do that? Like, I real, oh, my gosh, that is so embarrassing. And he's like, I'm not afraid of you. I love direct. I love when you come to me. I love even the stuff that you do wrong. I love when you bring it before me. It's my delight to be with you. I'm like, wow, I don't even like being with myself when it's so ugly. But he's not afraid of us. So I just encourage you, anytime if stuff should come up, that we would be some of the freest people on the planet, that we, we could just talk to him. We could go, Lord, forgive me for this. Or actually, I realize I'm holding something against this person, and I can tell because I don't even want to be around him. You know, there's symptoms. 
that come up. <laughs> like, oh, I love you. Just don't come talk to me. I love you, but, um, oh, gosh, I don't like looking at you. Those are like the Christian answers. And we say it with a smile on our face. I'm like, if we have any of those, like, Lord, actually forgive me. And I'm going to lean into love and I need your courage to teach me how to love and forgive. And all of these things are choices. Like you go off of feelings. Feelings are nice a lot of the time, but they do not direct us. We are directed by truth and choice. And love is choice. Forgiveness is choice. So Lord, help us to be some of the best lovers on the planet. Why don't you stand with me? Put your hand on your heart. Because that's where our life flows from. Like the Lord cares about that thing that's inside of your chest that's beating. He cares about what the condition of that is. And no one else knows except for God. And you might have a lot of indications of what's going on in there, but he knows. So I thank you, Lord, for every heart in this place. I thank you for every spirit in this place. And I ask for your love to come and saturate every part. You're such a good lover. You're such a good daddy. Yeah, I, we love you. And I pray, Lord, that, that there would be nothing between us and you. And if there is anything, Lord, I just pray even throughout tonight as we're going, that, that you would show us and that you would give us the courage to come to you, that we wouldn't hide, that we wouldn't separate ourselves from you, but we would come to you and that you love us even more than we love ourselves. You love us even more than we can imagine. Yeah, so I bless every heart here. I bless you to lean into him. I bless you to receive more of him and more of his love. Lord, and teach us even more about your forgiveness. Show us how you feel about us and how much you forgive us. Show us how much. Yeah, let us be some of the freest flowing people from heaven. That our love is free, that, we, that our forgiveness is free, that we freely receive and we freely give. That they would say, Bethel Austin, they are some of the best lovers I've ever met. They are some of the most gracious people I've ever met. And not just with people they don't know, but with people they know. So thank you, Lord, for, his love, for your love. Yeah. Yeah, amen. I want to leave you with this. Speaking truth and compassion to yourself. When you look in the mirror, since the women, I know we're not all women, but we're all human. And I know that we live in a very visual culture. I know that uh, social media and the cameras um, on our phones have made things even more visual because we get to see ourselves and pictures of ourselves all the time. And um, a lot of times the images that we are looking at are filtered or actually not even, they're not even realistic. And then we hold ourselves uh, a standard to that. And so I just want to give us some truths to tell ourselves when we see pictures of ourselves and when we look in the mirror. Because we have to start finding truth to partner with to actually create new pathways. Because remember that um, the repetitive of 95% gets repeated every day? We need new pathways. So if you're looking for new pathways, I am his delight and worthy of his love. That is truth for you to grab on and you look at yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My very essence brings awe and wonder to the king. That is the truth. God loves me and I love myself. I like how God made me and you put in whatever you want. Feisty. No. I love how God made me strong. I love how God made me adventurous. His banner over me is love. We all put banners over ourselves. We walk underneath something. Let it not be rejection. 
Let it not be fear. The banner over me is love. That is where I walk in freedom. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And with God, nothing is impossible. You want me to speak on Bethel platform? We got it. Because with God, nothing is impossible. I tell myself that in the mirror. Because that's the God that I have. He's great and mighty over me. I do my best and I'm good with that. That's one of my favorite ones. I do my best and I'm good with that. Do you know that God doesn't ask me to do anything more than that? What if your best isn't good enough? I gave what I had. And he calls that good. I am aware of the grace that God has given me and I walk in it. I do not reject the grace on my life. I actually walk in it. I'm aware of it. I am forgiven and I forgive. That's what I choose every day. I am free to be all who God has created me to be. That is you, Bethel Austin. That is you to the core of who you are. And so I want to leave you with one thought. What is one thing that I can do to be more kind to myself? One question I want you to ask yourself tonight. What is one thing that I can do to be more kind to myself? Because I believe that the Lord is delighted in, the, in this thought of you pursuing kindness to yourself. Yeah, I bless you, Bethel Austin. You are beautiful people, and I expect to see that only growing and growing and growing as the days go on. I love you. So good. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.